warmest of greetings to you and welcome back to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I'm storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hi, I'm Helen. I'm a teacher from Buckinghamshire, currently teaching reception year one children. Hi, I'm Rob. I work in Key Stage 2, and I've got experience working from every year group from year three up to year six. And we are very pleased to have you, our listener, with us as we explore learning outcomes in history, art and religious education with our legend from ancient Greece. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Dance of Persephone. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the hugely talented Heather Zeta Rose, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time, and even some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Rob and Helen here as we explore some art and RE slash history with Persephone. Um, there's going to be lots in here. I think we'll start with the let, let's start with the RE and history um, up in the uh, ages seven to eleven because uh, th- those aren't always obviously linked. So, so how are, how are you bringing them together, Rob? Sure. I was bringing them together, I thought, through the idea of gods. Uh-huh. In the in the UK, as you mentioned last week, it's quite a, a Judeo-Christian focused country. I don't think Judo is mm. the right word because that's a martial art. Judeo-Christian. Judo-Christian. Amen! <laughs> yeah, a different branch of Christianity. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's quite Judeo-Christian focused and we have one god or we have uh in the catholic version well, i guess the cv as well three parts to the to the one god mm-hmm. Holy Trinity. Um, but the greeks believed in gods for everything they had a different god for mm. every aspect of their life and not just the the big ones the famous ones there were also nymphs and dryads and all yeah. kinds of water spirits and yep. you name it they had it and your personal family gods as well yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and i, I was th- i was thinking about that as well because y- y- which god would you choose if you if you lived on a farm you would probably choose demeter as a god that you would worship more than poseidon or neptune whichever one it is uh, poseidon for yeah. greeks yeah yeah i was thinking kind of what say the re might be how could we represent the gods? Say, if you were, if you did have Demeter, what kind of images would you have that would link to her and what she is uh, in charge of? And the history bit might be uh, just researching the different gods. How did they come into being? Because there's some really interesting stories about how the Greek gods came into being. Zeus is involved in quite a few yeah. of them. Yes, again, some of them not always suitable <laughs> no. for younger ears, <laughs> no. it has to be said. But I, I've talked about the how Athena was born before with year fives, and she came out with Zeus's skull. Yes. So, yeah, yeah that's a, a really weird that's one. That's right. But 
Um, again, so yeah, thinking about what the symbols are, what their qualities were, what their place in the, the pantheon of gods mm. would be. And then kind of bringing it back to your RE, if you were in ancient Greek, what kind of prayers would you write? What kind of offerings would you give the different gods as well? Mm. So just really considering the fact that they had a, a, a different god or deity for each element of their life. And they could pray to one more than the other, or they could pray to all of them. Or they, like we said, they might have personal favorites mm. or family gods that they pray to, and they would devote themselves to working in the temple for that god and things like that. So just kind of exploring that was where I was going. I know the Greeks quite often comes up as a upper key stage two history element, and this would tie in quite nicely with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about what you were saying there, uh, the, the representation of gods, that could actually end up quite a nice art link, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. I was, <laughs> I was just thinking actually a way you could do this activity with with the younger age groups. It would be great for their imagination, great to see what they came out with. Um, yes, yeah. Because they could almost link the jobs of the, the jobs of the gods to jobs that we we know in the real world. Mm -hmm, so. Yeah. Put, put Demeter in a gardener's outfit. I don't know. <laughs> give, give her a water. Yeah, yeah, give her a watering can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be very interesting to see how they interpret interpret those gods. I mean, I guess you could also say you could not show them an image and say, well, Zeus, for example, is he's the chief god. He's also the god of thunder. Mm -hmm. So, what would he look like? That would be a really good um, reading, I suppose. For older older children you could almost draw the god and then for, for younger children they could do it'd be a really good listening activity because listening is something that we very much aim to develop throughout school but in in the early years there's very much about listening understanding paying attention yeah. um so that would be a good good listening activity to listen to what's said about the god and draw it on the page or act it out <laughs> and the great thing about storytelling is that every single child in listening to the story is going to have their own interpretation yes and so yeah it's great, always great to to compare that and to let them know that all of their ideas are absolutely valid as well because we, we we don't actually know what they look like no. It was so long ago and they live so far away. So. And that's actually a, a nice link into that yeah. idea that yeah. we te try to teach through RE um, and through school life and life in general, that it's okay, everyone has different beliefs mm -hmm. and everyone's different beliefs are are relevant and can be respected. And just because you believe one thing doesn't mean someone else has to believe it. Absolutely. <laughs> if we hang around in the lower end of the school, though, with ages four to seven, um, you had some art to explore with us, Helen. Was that right? I did. Whenever um, I see anything about wildflowers and I, I think of wildflower meadows, there's an artist <laughs> that I came across. <laughs> and I, I actually happened to come across her at a county show possibly the Buckinghamshire County Show, I don't know. Um, and she had her artwork there and her name is Yvonne Coomer and she actually lives in Devon and she does these incredible wildflower meadow artwork. It's just beautiful. Mm. Uh, I couldn't actually afford one of her paintings, but I'd love to have one in my, in my house. <laughs> and they're very beautiful, very colourful, very expressive. And um, some of them are very large. Mm. And I thought this would be a good opportunity because one of the objectives in Key Stage 1 Art and going into Key Stage 2 is to look at the work of artists, to study study artists, look at the work they do, how that work makes the children feel. Mm. 
and then to use those techniques, not necessarily replicate a piece of art, which you wouldn't be able to do in this case anyway, because um, <laughs> it's kind of every, kind of everywhere. But to use those techniques. I was just thinking, as a, as a teacher, it's a great opportunity to get if you can't afford the the work of a particular artist, get your children to paint it for you. <laughs> yeah, get knockoffs, you know. <laughs> get, have a whole house full of them. Exactly, get, get at least twenty in in one sitting. So what I do is I'd introduce the the children to I'd start off just looking at the artwork on the big interactive screen if you've got one in your classroom look at it and get the children's thoughts about it what they like what they don't like how it makes them feel what they notice um, and I've done that with various various artists have different works of theirs um, and the children really like that they mm. like they like looking at artwork and being fascinated by it even even the, the four-year-olds um, and then look at if you can depending on who the artist is um, look at how they create their artwork. So for Yvonne Kuma, I um, I think there are little video clips somewhere of her creating some artwork and she she does it very expressively. Sometimes she uses spray bottles, um, oh, big, big actions, um, and then replicate those techniques with the children. And it doesn't mm. really matter what the outcome is, but more about the techniques they're using and what they're trying to create. So create um, some really big, big pieces of wildflower meadow artwork. Mm. And there's some quite specific skills in that because they actually need to make sure the, the some of the strokes go up and down <laughs> to make the, the, the stalks of the flowers. You know, uh -huh. they can't just squidge. Um, <laughs> and you could do some sponging and some spray spraying and have a lot of fun, which I think art should be about. Absolutely. It's about making your mark on the world and, and expressing yourself and sharing and, and all yeah. of these valuable skills that are going to valuable soft skills, I suppose, aren't they, that are going to help in all sorts of areas going forward. So another art activity would be to look for pictures in the clouds. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I love clouds. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's nothing really better on a warm day than lying somewhere and in a meadow, at... preferably, mm -hmm. and looking at the clouds. And And a slight science link would be to look at the different types of clouds there are. And then again, going back to art. Don't often link art and science, but going back to art, what techniques, what artistic techniques could we use to create the different types of clouds? So the fluffy ones, you know, use some cotton wool, use some sponging. The more wispy ones, what brush strokes, what tools do we need? Mm. And so I think it would be a quite a creative way to explore some of those, those quite specific skills in art and create a nice I think that's a beautiful idea. And I, I also think that that could work quite nicely going back up to um, the 7 to 11 age range, because, um, well, even, even going going well beyond uh, into, you know, university level, you have um, professors of public engagement for science whose job it is to take um, these concepts of things like the water cycle um, and find ways of representing them so that um, they can be understood mm. by, you know, lay people and, and younger years. Um, you can perhaps challenge some of your older children to think about how they're going to represent their science learning or their geography learning so that they can teach it to the younger children in the school and get them to employ yeah. some of these artistic yeah. techniques. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a great idea for that. But it also gets your older children to think about the vocabulary that they're using yes, yeah. and what kind of how they're going to present the information and all kinds of English wow. aspects as well. So there you that. go. Art, science, English. We've got everything in this one. <laughs> <laughs> we have, haven't we? In fact, I'm going to just uh, throw in uh, Snoopy. 
as well just to just to be random um there is a, a snoopy musical um which uh, it's a theater show but i'm pretty sure they did uh, an animated version of it as well with the, the the cartoon peanut characters and there is a song in there where they are gazing at the clouds and seeing all sorts of amazing things in the clouds and i i just as you were speaking helen i thought that could be a wonderful way of introducing um that concept uh, with your children doesn't love snoopy? um not oh <laughs> well yeah because it's snoopy so they're going to <laughs> love watching him but also um some of the things that they see in the clouds that the peanuts see up there things like um the sack of carthage <laughs> and um the, the 12 apostles um so there's <laughs> all sorts of uh, <laughs> other learning links that you're going to be able to to pick out with your children after that i'm sure that's all we have time for today folks if you try out any of these ideas or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners please let us know on social media using at teach happily or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable, and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Persephone and her family will help us teach geography. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! And we hope to hear your story soon! Wow, that cloud watching took us a long way, didn't it? Yeah. It did, it did. You see, we, we, this is why we love the tenuous links. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they always end that well. <laughs>